welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. Are you living your life just waiting for the next vacation or you're just living for the weekends? Well, my guest today is going to share some great tips to love every single day of your life, not just the days that you don't have to work. He is the CEO of a global company called USANA, but he's also a musician for fun. He has performed with artists like Kenny Loggins, Tommy Shaw, Eddie Money. He is the author of All the Right Reasons, 12 Timeless Principles for Living a Life in Harmony. So I want to really welcome uh, my guest, Kevin Guest. Thank you so well, much. Thank you, Patty. Yeah, it's great <laughs> to be with you. We've got a great name, Kevin Guest. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So, um, so Kevin, uh, as a CEO of, of a really large global company, how do you find, like, what is, like, one of one or some of your best tips that you really uh, would recommend for someone if they're, if they're really trying to find that balance and they're really not happy at their job and, you know, kind of, kind of you know, walking through life? Well, I think life is full of choices, and I believe that happiness is a choice, and our satisfaction and how we approach things, that's also a choice. And so I like to approach things first and foremost with an attitude of gratitude, being grateful for those things that we have. And so where we put our focus will determine how we feel, I believe, and focus will allow us to be more Uh, will be in a position to execute in a more effective way. So, for instance, coming to work. A person coming to work could focus on the fact that they even have a job because there are millions of people around the world who don't. They're poor. They don't have money. They can't provide for themselves. That might be a great place to start. Positive, positive self-talk is so critical. For me personally, I've uh, one of the things I struggle with is negative self-talk. And I find myself talking to myself in a very negative way. And so uh, an example would be um, when I was performing at the Grand Old Opry, getting ready to go on stage, standing backstage. Uh, I had just a couple minutes waiting for the next act to come off. And I started telling myself, what if you play the wrong notes? What if you uh, forget what you're supposed to do. And before I knew it, my heart rate had incre- increased. Uh, I, my breathing was shallow. My mouth was dry. And I was putting myself into a panic attack. And so uh, luckily, like Michael Jordan or other people, other great athletes, they need coaches. I need a coach. And I have sought outside help and coaches uh, and therapy to help me with anxiety and situations just like this. So one of the tools that I had learned was to breathe and a breathing technique. And the breathing technique is very simple. You breathe, it's, it's in a square. You breathe in for four, you hold it for four, you exhale for four, and you leave it out for four, and you do that four times. Very simple to remember. But that simple technique I did standing backstage at the Grand Old Opry, and before I knew it, my heart rate came down I was getting oxygen in my brain, and I was able to go out and be on this national broadcast and perform. And uh, I was very close to missing out on an experience of a lifelong dream to perform 
at this beautiful hall, the Grand Old Opry, uh, because of what I was telling myself, not because of my skill level, my talents, because of what anyone else was saying or doing. And so many times a person will come to work and their entire drive is listening for one thing I stopped doing is listening to the news on the way to work <laughs> because by the time I got to work, I was so wound up at all the craziness and bad things that were happening. And I've decided on my way to work that I'm going to listen to positive things. So in the car while I'm driving to work, by the time I get to work, I will have listened to something that is faith promoting. Uh, and so I'm pouring positive in instead of negative and trying to keep my mind and my thoughts in a positive direction. Well, that's so interesting and funny you say that about, you know, uh, stop listening to the news on the way to work. I, I'm a huge news junkie. I love the news, current events, always have since I was a kid. Um, but I can totally understand what you're saying. You Sometimes and anymore, I will limit myself to, you know, say a half an hour of hard news. I don't like a bunch of, you know, fluff whatever. I like meat and potatoes news. So I will read certain, I have certain, um, you know, uh, subscriptions that I will uh, read articles and then I'll watch a half an, an hour in the morning anymore. And then I go into other things because like you said, it, you can bog yourself down with a whole lot of negative stuff and fighting and then analysis and people are going back and forth. And it's like, I, you know, you don't want to get bogged down by it. But I got to ask you, so you played at the Grand Ole Opry and what, what did you play? So I perform even to this day, I just played last week uh, and I'm playing in the Grand Ole Opry in a couple of weeks from now um, during the holidays. Uh, I perform with a country uh, star, Colin Ray. He's had 16 number one hits, sold millions of records. And he and I are, have become very close friends. And, uh, Throughout the years, um, I've played with him on and off, and so that gives me a unique opportunity. Sometimes I'll fly out when they're on tour and get on the tour bus and do several cities and then fly home, and and so uh, it's been a great experience. And it, it's been experience. Just a, a, a principle in the book that I talk about is uh, the Dorothy principle, which is about relationships. And it's interesting how I met Colin Ray. Uh, which leads itself to another principle, the turn up the volume principle, which is fake it till you make it and go, baby, go. Um, but uh, Colin, our company was going to hire Colin to be the entertainment for one of our large conventions. And I, at the time, I had a band, and so I called his manager and asked his manager, could our band play for Colin? And they said, we never do that. And so they, uh, I asked if I were to fly him out and he'd do a rehearsal with us. If he felt comfortable, would he consider it? And if he didn't, we would fly in his band from Nashville. Well, they flew in. They played with us. He loved us. At the end of the performance, I said to Colin, and at the time I was president of USANA. I wasn't the CEO. Uh, I said, I will learn your entire catalog. And if ever you need somebody to come and fill in, know I'll be ready to go. And uh, at the time, I didn't know he was getting ready to make a change in his band. And he said, you know what? I'm making a change in my band. Do you want the job? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not looking for a job. <laughs> I have a great job. Um, and so I went to my boss and I said, this opportunity is here. Is there any way I can fit this in? My boss, very, very uh, insightful and knowing my passion for music, said, you know what? You need to do this. So for a couple years, I commuted 
out to the tour bus and the tour and played uh, with Colin Ray as we toured around. And I did my job and I would take my job and work out of my hotel room during the day using technology and perform at night uh, as a musician. And so that's how that all came to be and how I ended up on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry. Two important things here. One, I took the initiative, the turn up the volume principle, which is uh, I didn't need to I didn't need a job. I didn't need to spend hours and hours learning his entire catalog. But when the opportunity presented itself, I was ready and was able to take the opportunity. And then secondly, uh, the relationship, nothing in life is more important than relationships, in my opinion. And as we form relationships and bonds with others, uh, it enhances and enriches our lives, provided they're positive and good relationships. And uh, I've had that relationship with him, which to this day, I've known him now for 15 years. Uh, I still, like I said, in a few weeks, I'll be on the Grand Ole Opry playing again uh, and have that opportunity. Well, that, well, that's very cool to be kind of CEO by day and, you know, <laughs> yeah. rock star by night or, or whatever, country yeah. star by night. And that is just uh, super cool. And I, I love that. And I and I really like the Dorothy principle that you, you talked about because um, – in fact, in my own life, my father was really good at that. Uh, growing up, I always, you know, he was a Air Force One pilot, and he then bought a railroad out in the Midwest, and you know, was was uh, very successful. Had a real estate, very large uh, real estate company, not residential, but like limited partnership uh, complexes and so forth. So, and he flew himself all over the country all the time. Still, as a pilot, had a had a uh, Aerostar plane. But yet he was always the kind of guy that was, he would always just uh, be talking to the bus driver or the guy that took your luggage or the, you know, the taxi driver or, you know, the, the bartender. He would always strike up a conversation and have some of the, so I used to watch him do that and, and now I see my husband doing the same thing. He's, he's the, my husband's the kind of guy that when he goes in a, in a uh, you know, fast food place, they always give him an extra piece of chicken. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. because he's always super sweet. Like, how you doing? How's your day going? Stuff like that, you know, and then learning their names, calling them by their name if they have a name tag, whatever. It makes all the difference, like you're saying, the relationships. And it also makes you happy. I mean, yes. there's no question it, about that. Yeah, I think in today's world, uh, technology is awesome. But it also allows us to not be connected on a very human level. And I think that being connected uh, is very important. For me, priorities are also important. Uh, in the book, I talk, I use the metaphor of harmony and music, obviously. And, and the notion of harmony and what creates harmony is harmony. Uh, music is just sound waves. And it's air when it even gets down to that. And a sound wave is air. And when the sound waves are congruent, you have what's called harmony. And when they're not congruent, you have what's called dissonance. And it doesn't sound very well. And our lives are very, very similar. When our lives are in harmony and those sound waves are the core values that make us us and the most important things for us in the book, I talk about the Ben Franklin principle. When Ben Franklin was a teenager, uh, he set out for perfection in his life. And he made a list of the 12 most important things in his life. Uh, and he actually added a 13th later. Uh, and he kept track of it weekly on how well he was doing on what he called his virtues, which I'm calling values. 
almost 60 years later, when he was 79 years old, he said, I never reached perfection, but my life was so much better because I tried. And I think we get credit for trying. I think it's important to try. Uh, but the priorities of those relationships become important. So for me personally, my relationship with God is my number one priority. My relationship with my family, I have four children. They're all married. I'm now a grandpa. In grandpa mode, I have six grandchildren. And then third is my career and my family. And there are many times throughout my life when I have allowed my career to be more important than my faith or more important than my family. And I've found myself out of whack, uh, not in harmony with my core value system, which causes dissonance in my life. And so if we consciously keep track of, of what is most important, keep our priorities in order, that will create a harmonious life, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And in fact, um, my son graduated from Catholic University, and I can remember at the uh, graduation, uh, the speaker was a football player. And gosh, I can't remember. I wish I could think, tell you who it was. But uh, it, was, it was an NFL quarterback. And he said exactly kind of what you're saying. It, it, but in his case, it was faith, family, and football, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it was very cool. And it was, uh, I just, I feel like that's such an important thing that people, unfortunately, I do feel like not, not to get on too much of a, um, down a, too much of a path on this, but I do feel like that's a really good point not to be uh, understated what you just said. When you put faith first, I think unfortunately right now in say 2018, it's kind of, uh, you know, not that fashionable to be a traditional uh, faith-filled person. At the same time, it's like people don't oftentimes feel like, well, I don't really need a formal religion in my life. And I think the word religion almost gets a bad name. And I feel like they're missing the point. It's not about, because you can be spiritual and go on hikes and be one with nature and music is almost spiritual, I'd imagine. But at the same time, there's something about actually going to a, a, a place of worship where you gather with, uh, I don't mean to sound like a preacher here, but where you, where you gather with, you know, with others for the sole purpose of worship, of, of uh, being sheep uh, and, and acknowledging that you are but a sheep in the, in the flock, you know? And I, I, I think that's something that should be a little more uh, recognized, I think. Yeah, I think... From my perspective, I see uh, an identity crisis almost going on, meaning we don't really know who we are. And uh, I think it was um, Socrates that asked the question, do you know who you are? And for me, I'm a child of God. That's I know who I am. And so when you talk about religion and talk about other faiths and everything, I think the value that brings is it allows people to have a North Star uh, something that, that they can focus upon and something that they can use as their guiding light uh, to help them move along this life and path of harmony. And without that, it's just chaos. If we don't really have some clarity in our lives, uh, and again, clarity brings focus and focus brings execution, meaning if, if we're not clear we're not going to be able to focus on anything. And if we're not able to focus on anything, we're not going to be able to really be effective on the things that we want to accomplish in life and not prescribing 
in the terms of this denomination or this way or this how, how you do things. I think everybody individually needs to figure them, that out for themselves. But this whole North Star principle of thinking about where are we at and do we really know who we are helps us move along this life of harmony. Yeah, and I, I think that's, um, I know for myself, just in, in going to church on Sundays, I feel like what I get most out of it is I kind of center myself. Like, you can get so full of yourself, have a very healthy ego, which I think is, by the way, great. I think everyone should have a really healthy ego. I think sometimes people uh, think it's, it's, they, they need to not confuse it. It's not that you don't want to be humble. Of course, you want to always be humble and respectful of others. But that's not to say, I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. You can have a very healthy ego and, and you think, hey, I'm, I'm great. And you should. I think those are the successful people who believe that they're great, that they can do anything that they choose to set their mind out to do. But, it, uh, but that said, I think when you, when I, at least for me, speaking for myself, when I go to church, it's like I kind of center myself. I really, you know, I'm, it's a reminder that, yes, I think I'm very confident and I can do all kinds of wonderful things in my life, but that I, that there's the higher power of God and that I am, you know, just a molecule among molecules of all the humans, you know, that are, that all make up the earth. So, you know, I think that's really important. And I think if you didn't, I don't understand how people, if you didn't believe in a higher power, whether it's, you know, what whatever you call God to to an individual, I don't know how they. It would be really lonely and scary. I would think to not yeah. feel like you know. Yeah, and one of the principles in the book is called the current bush principle, and and, and it's a parable about a gardener who this current bush is growing, 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 and he goes and he he prunes the bush down to basically a stump, and the bush is ask the question, you know, what did you do to me? Here I was so strong and so big and so growing, but by being pruned back, he would, the, the current bush was able then to produce fruit and it wasn't able to pr- produce fruit otherwise. And the, and, and the, the, the punchline of the parable is, is, is the gardener says, I'm the gardener here. <laughs> and, and I create, and I, and I pruned you down, but allowed you to be able to produce fruit. And I think a belief in God, in my opinion, God's the gardener. And many times we have trials, we have things going on in our lives, and maybe we're being pruned back. But in the end, if we react positively to this, we'll produce fruit and we'll, we'll grow. We'll grow in a different way than we would have otherwise had we just been able to just grow wildly. And so this whole current bush principle of the gardener. And so for me, when I go to church, a uh, few things are happening. One, I'm feeling myself being reminded of things that are most important in life. Um, how am I being pruned so mm-hmm. that I can produce fruit as it relates to being a dad, as it relates to being a husband and a grandpa? Um, but, but, but secondly, um, when, when we go, we, we're filling our well. Uh, I, I love the, the, the metaphor of it's impossible to draw wa- water from an empty well. And so many of us are, have so many things that are pulling on us and, and want some of the water out of our well. And what are we doing to fill that well? What are we doing to pour back in? And what are we doing to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves? Because if we go down, 
what's the point, right? And so self-care, taking care of ourselves and pouring back into ourselves through good books, positive relationships with friends, going to church, if that's what you choose to do to fill your well, whatever it might be, but be intentional because it's not just going to happen. And if you're not intentional about things and you just let life happen, uh, you're going to find yourself with an empty well. Yeah, and I I feel like uh, in addition to that, and maybe you talk about it in the book, I'm not sure, maybe it's one of the principles, but I find it so helpful to kind of have a playful uh, attitude about life, really intentionally set out to have fun. I mean, I, I, I look for fun all the time. I'm always trying to do fun things and putting them on my calendar and just intentionally doing things because you, you get one life. I don't want to, I don't want to wait for a vacation. I, I work and mix my play with work all the time because, you know, you got 24 hours in a day. I don't want to live for, you know, a few moments in time here and there. I want to do it every day and be excited about it. So I know you, uh, with your Turn Up the Volume show, now you had that show and you would film artists, like didn't you film uh, Ozzy Osbourne and and um, yep. Scorpions? So yeah. t- tell us about, like, what, well, first off, Ozzy Osbourne. Now, I just had my birthday, December 3rd, and that is Ozzy Osbourne's birthday, too. <laughs> I love Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> what was he like? You know, um, he, 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 I, I was with him for, for the day and we were at a concert in California and it was actually a benefit for Randy Rhodes, who was his lead guitar player who passed away. And so Ozzy, uh, played this benefit to raise money for the foundation that would benefit, uh, Randy Rhodes, his former guitar player. And, uh, so I wasn't around him a lot, but, um, He's exactly my experience with him was exactly what you would expect it to be. Something interesting that happened at the concert was my camera crew was the only crew that was there, and I was actually on stage. Uh, I was on stage left by the monitor console, and um, Ozzy said he yelled out to the audience, "Everybody, come up on stage and party with Ozzy!" And oh was God. like this stream of all these kids just coming up over the stage and all of a sudden they started climbing the um uh, speaker racks and other things and the crew was trying to push him back it turned into massive chaos which he loved but (laughs) but uh, it was it was very interesting because we had footage of all of this and so all of a sudden mtv and the news feeds and everybody else wanted our footage of what happened at this concert that happened with ozzy uh, yeah, but the, the the Turn Up the Volume show was a show where we uh, wanted to film anything and everything that a fan would want to see that didn't see otherwise. So it was on the tour bus, backstage, getting from one place to the next, train stations, railroad stations, um, and then interviews, of course, and interviewing them. And so about any major hair band of the 90s, uh, that was popular. I've been on the road with or filmed in some form or fashion. Uh, Kiss uh, more than once. I tell the story in the book. It's called the Turn Up the Volume Principle. Um, I had the opportunity. I pitched the idea of Turn Up the Volume, and I uh, the funding came through, and they said yes, you can do this project. Well, all of a sudden, I got a phone call that uh, Gene Simmons of Kiss has approved an interview, and can you be on a plane? 
uh, in two days to interview Gene Simmons in some place in the Midwestern United States. Well, I didn't own a camera. It had been an idea, and somebody said yes to to doing it. So I went down to the local camera dealer, and back in the day, video cameras cost sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars, and I didn't have that kind of money. And so I went to the dealer and asked him if I could demo one of his cameras. I had known him through the years, had a relationship with him. He agreed. The camera was shipped my hotel in Iowa or wherever we were. Um, maybe it was Illinois. And and I stayed up all night with the camera plugged into the TV learning how to run it. <laughs> and And the next morning, I was in front of the biggest rock star in the world, Gene Simmons of KISS, using that camera. Now, the principle that's being taught is... I could have said no. I could have said I'm not ready. I could have said there, there were a hundred reasons why I shouldn't have done that interview the next morning. But I did it. I stayed up all night. I learned the owner's manual. I learned how to run the camera. Gene Simmons had no clue that that was my first time using that <laughs> camera. And in fact, the person who set up the interview with Gene Simmons, who's still to this day a close friend, she called me up after reading the book. And she said, had I known that, I would have never allowed you to get in front of Gene Simmons. But, <laughs> but the, the, the issue was is that I, I took the initiative to make something happen, and I made it happen. And had I really done probably what I should have done, which is said I'm not ready and I shouldn't have done it. And that one single interview catapulted me into all of these other rock bands, all of these other interviews. Uh, creating many, many things throughout my career uh, that that one single event op was a, such a door opener. And had I not taken the initiative and figured out a way to make it happen and get it done, um, that interview would have never happened in my career, probably would have taken a different path. Wow. So how did you go from that career path to, you know, CEO of USANA? And, and USANA is uh, health products? Yeah, is USANA right? is a health, yeah, it's a nutritional company. We, we manufacture and produce nutritional supplements, vitamins, and other types of products. Uh, at the time USANA was being uh, created, I had a film and video production company, and I was recommended to the founder of the company that I could be somebody that could help create their marketing materials and create their tools uh, to launch the company. And so at the time, uh, I did that and helped USANA launch owning my own company. Uh, several years came and went. My production company became very successful, and USANA became very successful. And they approached me and said, we want you to work for us full time. And I said, I don't want to work for you. I'm not looking for a job. I have a company. I'm living my dream. I want to I'm play doing... music. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm in the music business and all and all this and uh, I jokingly said to the CEO, I said, the only way I'll work for USANA is if you buy my company. And so USANA ended up, USANA is a publicly traded company. USANA ended up acquiring my company and all my employees and brought me on as a member of the management team. And through the years, I've been promoted and as different spots have become open, uh, I've been put into those positions. And now I'm the CEO where... Our market cap is $2.9 billion, uh, wow. more than 24 countries around the world. We have over 600,000 
active um, distributors who distribute our products. We have thousands of employees, and uh, and so I've been able to uh, live my dream, which is still I still do music and still play music, but uh, to be in a position where I'm the CEO, and that's really the story of the book. How does a kid from who grew up in Montana with dreams of being a rock star <laughs> end up on stage with Ozzy Osbourne and also uh, the CEO of a multinational billion dollar company? Well, I think you're proving that you can have it all. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, that is very cool. I mean, that, I, I, I got to tell you, that's really inspirational. Very cool story. I, your life is very interesting. I love that you're doing so many different things. So how in the world with running a company, uh, you know, a, a multi-billion dollar company, all those employees that you're overseeing as CEO, plus you're still playing music, you're traveling, how in the world did you uh, find time to write a book and, and why? Why did you feel compelled to do it? The, the genesis of the book it came from me holding my little grandchild. <laughs> I, I, I'm holding my little grandchild and thinking I've had all these great experiences. And I was told that it'll only take two generations for your life to come and go. And you'll just be a name on a family spreadsheet. And I thought, here's this beautiful little child. And if I don't write this down, my life that I've had, I'll be a name to my grandchild just on a family spreadsheet. And so it started there. And I just started making a list of all the experiences because I've worked with former president of the United States. Wow. I've worked with Bob Hope. I've worked with, I mean, the things have been pretty incredible. And and um, I, I often look up and say thank you <laughs> and realize that, that the tender mercies that have come my way, and I have a responsibility to share that. So that's where it started. And then it started willing down, think, well, there are some things that maybe I could teach through these experiences that could help somebody else in their life because now I have influence around the world. I've influenced wow. to hundreds of thousands around the globe. And was I called and am I meant to share some of these things with others and teach principles that will help people maybe be a little happier, a, a, a little kinder, a little more thoughtful, a little more connected to their husband or wife or son or grandchild. And so that's where this all came to be. Now, it comes full circle because I truly believe in the quote from Winston Churchill. He said, you make a living out of what you get. You make a life out of what you give. And so I've decided that all of the proceeds from this book are going to the Hungry Children uh, True Health Foundation, which feed hungry children around the world. And so all proceeds, uh, we have raised enough through the sales right now of the book. We've raised over 700,000 meals for hungry children. Um, and so I want to focus on giving versus getting. And I think we as a society, if we would focus on what we can give to people versus what we can get from people, we'll be much more successful on many, many levels. And so giving versus getting. And so the book has allowed me not only to have a 
a documented uh, for my posterity, uh, but it is also helping. I was just in China uh, a week and a half ago, and, and thousands of books went out. And this message is going to people in China. It's going to, we've sold thousands in Korea and Mexico and Colombia, all over the world, this message of living a life in harmony. Uh, but most importantly, giving versus getting. And it's my way to give based on this incredible life. By the way, the books are available only on Amazon, so Amazon.com. And it's all the right reasons, and all of the money is going to feed hungry children. I've had the privilege of being associated with the Children's Hunger Fund, and I've taken meals personally into homes in Africa where the only thing they were going to get was what I was bringing that day. Uh, I've been in orphanages in Romania where rooms are full of babies that have been given up where the only contact they get is because somebody volunteered that day to hold that baby. And so for me, giving is so important, and it's part of living a life in harmony. Wow. I, I, that's just so incredible. Uh, I really think that's amazing, and I I love the reason that you wrote the book. I think that is so cool, and you're so right. You get so much more when you give, when you're not expecting to get paid um, I don't get paid for this podcast. I just genuinely like connecting with people and, and allowing having a platform to have people like you be able to get out there that much more for people to actually see somebody like you, hear what you're saying, uh, be aware of your book. Uh, and I mean, it's just incredible and you get so much more out of it. It's, it's so great. So I, I really want to thank you for all that you do. And, um, and for being such a great inspiration to, to me and a lot of other people. Well, it's, it's my privilege and honor. I, again, I feel like I've been given a platform and I need to do something positive with it. And this is a way to do that. Well, you are. So I would, uh, encourage, um, just to, to wrap up, I want to encourage people to, to buy your book, go on amazon.com. It's called All the Right Reasons, 12 Timeless Principles for Living a Life in Harmony by Kevin Guest. So you'll have to check it out and just know that all the proceeds go to feed hungry children. So it's a win-win. You're, you're, you're feeding hungry children at the same time that you're learning some amazing principles to live by. Thank you, Patty. I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks. Okay. Well, this wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show. So until next time, 